0: so glad you could join us for the mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Okay. I'm just going to pray for you guys. You've prayed for me, so I'm going to pray for you. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, it is just so beautiful to be here with the people of Yass Community Baptist Church. I pray, Father, that... You will speak through me this morning to them. I pray that you'll open their spiritual ears to hear and their spiritual eyes to see the truth of what it is you're wanting to say to each and every one of them this morning. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so has anyone here ever had any one of their plans wrecked? Great. Oh, good. Come on, don't be shy, hands up. I think that after the last two and a half years that we've had, at least every single one of us has probably had at least one of our plans wrecked by COVID. And that seems to be what happens, that sometimes we can make all the best plans in the world and then they don't work out. Now, I don't know about you, but my life did not turn out at all the way that I'd planned. When I was 21, I got married to Ian, and at the time, he was a signalman with the railways, doing a lot of overtime, and so he was earning a lot of money. And I thought, this is going to be great. We're not going to have to make ends meet living paycheck to paycheck like our parents. We're going to be rich. How great is that going to be? But then, when we'd been married only one year, God called Ian to start studying at Morlin College to become a pastor. A poor student pastor. That was not what I'd signed up for. God really came in and wrecked my plans. So, this morning, I want to give you three options of how you can look at things the way you can when your plans get wrecked. Whether it's COVID wrecking one of your plans, whether it's life in general or even when it's God coming in and wrecking your plans big time. I want to show you three ways that you can respond. And I'm going to do that by looking at three different people. And so please join me as we go back in time and we come back some 3,000 years. And we're going to look at a lady named Ruth. Now, Ruth lived in the biblical times of when the judges ruled Israel. And Ruth's story actually starts with an Israelite family that lived in the land of Bethlehem. And one year, there was a great famine all over Israel, over Bethlehem. And so the there was a lady called Israel, uh, uh, called, Na- I'm getting in there with my names, Naomi. And Naomi's family moved to Mo- Moab because there was grain there. And she moved with her husband and her two sons. Now, we don't know how long they'd lived there, but at some stage, Naomi's husband died and left her with just these two sons. And say Naomi arranged for her two sons to marry local women, Moabite women. And one of these women was Ruth. And this is where we pick up on Ruth. Now, Ruth was not one of God's original chosen people, the Jews. She was what was called a Gentile. And just like you and me, the majority of us here today are Gentiles. We weren't part of one of God's original chosen people, the Jews. We're Gentiles, just like Ruth. Now, Ruth would have been somewhere around 14 years old when she got married to Naomi's son. And can you imagine her hopes and dreams as that 14-year-old girl to get married and to live out her days surrounded by her children and grandchildren and her nieces and nephews. What a great future she had planned and set out for her. But then we read in the Bible that when once Ruth had been married 10 years, something happened and her husband died suddenly. And not only that, Her sister in law's husband died suddenly. Her brother in law died. And this left Naomi, Ruth, and the other sister in law widows with no males to take care of them. Now, you know, you may think, oh, poor women, that's a bit sad. But in those days, 3,000 years ago, that was catastrophic. You had to have a male to take care of you. And they didn't have any male heirs. So this was a really hard time for them. She must have just been distraught. But Naomi found out, well, the famine's broken in Bethlehem. So she said to her daughter-in-laws, let's go back to my family in Bethlehem where there's food again. And as they started out along the way, we don't really know what went through Naomi's mind, but at some point she stopped. And she said, no, no, this isn't right for me to take you with me. I want you to go back to your families. Because even if you come with me now to Bethlehem and I gave birth to more boys, it's going to be another 14, 15 years before you can marry them. And by then, you're going to be 40 and they're going to be 15. No, that's not going to work. Go back to your people. So Ruth's sister-in-law decided to do that. But Ruth stood there and she had a choice to make. Was she going to blame her dead husband's God for all the things that had happened to her, for her plans being wrecked? Was she going to blame him and turn her back on him and go back to her people? Or was she going to decide to put her faith and trust in this God of her mother-in-law and her dead husband? Well, we can see in Ruth chapter 1 that Ruth put her faith and trust in God and when her mother-in-law Naomi tried to get her to leave her to stay with her people in Moab, we read in verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. You know, it seemed like God had really wrecked Ruth's plans. But what did, but God, he had bigger plans for Ruth. What did God do with Ruth's faith and trust that she put in him? Well, we go on to read in chapter 1 that Ruth got married to another Israelite man, this time named Boaz. And this time she had a son who had a son, who had a very famous son. Let's read about this in Matthew chapter 1. Verses 5 to 6 say, Good, Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. Ruth ended up being the great-grandmother of King David. But you know what else? Do you know who's family tree this genealogy is part of Jesus it's part of the line of Jesus Matthew 1 goes all the way down to verse 16 and it tells us there Jacob was the father of Joseph the husband of Mary Mary gave birth to Jesus who is called the Messiah Ruth is actually part of the genealogy of Jesus She is named in Jesus' line. And you may go, so, big deal. But it is a big deal because in this Jesus' day, sadly, women, they were worth little more than a slave. And to have this woman called Ruth, and not just any woman, a Gentile at that, named in Jesus' genealogy, was just huge. If her first husband hadn't died, and if she hadn't left her people in Moab and followed her mother-in-law, Ruth, to Bethlehem, she would never have met Boaz and would never ended up being named in Jesus' genealogy. And do you know why this is so important? Even 3,000 years ago, God was writing a much bigger story than what Ruth or anyone else could ever have imagined. By including Ruth, a Gentile, in the family line of Jesus, God was actually pointing to the bigger redemptive plan he had to come and seek and save the lost. Not just the children of Israel, the chosen ones, but to include all of us, the Gentiles, in that plan, in that great big plan. And although Ruth couldn't see it at the time, God could. And so when God came in and wrecked Ruth's plans, she put her trust in God. And that's the first thing that I want you to remember this morning. What can we do when God wrecks our plans? We can trust in God's ultimate plan, even if we can't see it at the time. Ruth didn't know then what was going to happen, but she put her faith and trust in God. And let's move forward A thousand years. We time travel pretty quickly here in Yas Community Baptist. But we're moving forward a thousand years now to meet a young 13 to 14 year old woman named Mary. She was engaged to a man named Joseph. And can you imagine how excited Mary was? Engaged, about to be married to the man of her dreams. I can remember when our daughter, Melina, three years ago, she got engaged to her man of her dreams and she was so excited and we were all so excited helping her plan her wedding. Thank goodness Melina was 23, not 13 like poor Mary. I'm glad things have changed in that way. Anyway, Mary got engaged and she would have been busy planning her wedding to Joseph, but then. God comes in and wrecks Mary's plants. Can you imagine what it would have been like to have an angel of the Lord come and stand before you, a virgin about to be married, and tell you that you were about to give birth to the Son of God? Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe what it would have been like to her. This is what the angel said to her in Luke 1. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to the the son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never come. Now, the fact that Mary was about to become an unmarried pregnant woman would have been terrifying. I mean, the law of Moses set out that Joseph could have her publicly shamed and divorced and she could have been stoned to death. That would have freaked me out quite a bit. Now, just like Ruth here, Mary had a choice to make at this point when God came in and wrecked her plans. What was she going to do? Was she going to become fearful? Was she going to get angry at God for ruining her plans? Would she turn her back on him? Well, we saw what Mary did in our Bible reading today from Luke 1:46 to 55 that whole section is called Mary's song and throughout it when she found out what was going to happen to her she chose to praise God through it and that's our number two of today what we can do when God wrecks our plans we can praise God through it and you know what God looked after Mary he first of all sent an angel to Joseph and said to him, Joseph, don't divorce Mary quietly. Marry her. Take her to be with... Um, give her, marry her. Take her to be your wife. Thank you. Um, and, and, and she was able to give birth safely. She wasn't stoned to death. And she gave birth safely to the saviour of the whole world. God had the bigger redemptive plan in mind again that would change the course of history forever and Mary chose to praise God through it. When God wrecks our plans and we can't see the purpose in it at the time, it helps to remember stories like Ruth's and stories like Mary's. God tells us in Isaiah 46, 9, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. So if you're in the middle of a bit of a mess and you can't yet see what God's purpose may be in it at the time, It helps to look back to these stories and remember that even though they couldn't see the bigger picture, God could. And they trusted God through it and they praised God through it. And now back to me, with God wrecking my plans of being married to a rich signalman. When God called Ian to ministry, and wrecked my plans over 30 years ago I turned to prayer and that's our number three today prayer and I prayed that God would continue to meet all of our needs and I would constantly pray these words from Philippians 419 and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And God did, time and time again. Because it didn't make sense. On paper, with the money Ian was earning as a student pastor, and then when I fell pregnant and gave birth and had to give up working, the bills we needed to be paid did not Work out with the money that was coming in, and so we had to constantly pray. And I can remember one afternoon um, I'd gotten sick, so I couldn't breastfeed Melina anymore. So we had the added expense of needing to buy baby formula. And I was, as I was preparing the bottles, and I took the lid off the formula, and I'm going, "Uh oh!" <laughs> and I realized there was enough formula for that night's feed and breakfast the t- tomorrow morning. And then that was it. We didn't have any more. And we had no money left in the bank. Payday wasn't for another few days. And 26 years ago, we didn't have a credit card, and there certainly wasn't afterpay. So I prayed. And would you believe it? Before the chemist shut that afternoon, totally out of the blue, my mum drove half an hour to our place and she said oh Carolyn your Nan was praying this afternoon and she felt God say you needed $50 and I had to bring it up here for you straight away so here it is and 26 years ago $50 was enough money to buy formula for a whole month how good is God And then when we finished at um, that church and we moved to um, Carlton Cogra Baptist Church and we were there for seven years and then it came time to leave there and move to our new pastorate of Lithgow Baptist Church. And on the 28th of December, sorry, the 24th of December, Christmas Eve, we got a phone call from Lithgow Baptist saying, oh, there's been some problems and the um, manse that we're buying for you to live in isn't actually going to be ready for your moving day in four days' time on the 28th of December. It's not going to be ready for another 10 days after that. And sorry, there's nowhere for you to live. (laughs) And go, okay, Christmas Eve, we have to move out on the 28th because the new pastors moving into this manse we're moving out of on the 29th, yeah, we're homeless. And I'd love to say and tell you, I just turned to God in prayer. But that would be a big fat lie. I had a major breakdown, I can tell you, and ranted and raved and cried. And then when I'd settled down, we prayed and we prayed that God would do something to provide for our needs so we'd have somewhere to live. And so on Christmas Eve, Ian got on the phone and started ringing around caravan parks to see if anyone had a tent site, a camping site, that we could live on for 10 days from the 28th of December. Now, if any of you have ever had experience like this, you'll know those campsites, they're booked out from year to year to year to the same person, And generations take over those bookings when someone dies. But the second place we called said, oh, we've just had a cancellation just for those exact same 10 days you need. How great is God? But then we had another problem that we didn't actually own any camping gear whatsoever. Because at that time, I was a bit of a princess and I didn't do camping. So again we prayed and on Christmas Eve afternoon Ian went down to the local camping store and was able to buy the last family-sized tent, a queen-size air mattress, some bunk stretcher beds for the kids and a camping stove. And what's more, we even had the money to pay for those things. Because we'd been planning on moving and didn't want to move everything from Carlton all the way up to Lithgow, this new thing called eBay had started. So Ian had started selling a whole heap of stuff on eBay. And it meant we had the cash money to buy the tent, to pay for the camping site. And what's more, we got 10 days holiday by the beach at Port Macquarie before we had to move to freezing Lithgow. (laughs) That was wonderful. And then even 18 months ago, when God called me to give up my three-day-a-week admin job that um, helped pay our bills so that I could go study full-time at Morling College, you know, he said, you've helped your husband get through his degree and then his master's, You've got your kids through their degrees. Carolyn, it's your time now. It's your time to shine. I want you to go step out in faith and I want you to study for me now, which freaked me out completely. So I gave up my role and started studying full-time at Moreland College for 18 months. And would you believe I got a $10,000 scholarship from them to study. The Baptist Association where I'd only been doing um, the prayer coordinator casually with them. They offered me a one day a week permanently paid role. Our rent, because COVID had hit, we were able to um, have the rent go down $30 a week. And then everything else. Would you believe? Tax check time. I wasn't earning hardly any money. I got a great big tax check refund. So it meant that over the last 18 months while I was studying, we didn't have to redraw on our mortgage even once. Every single bill that needed to be paid was paid. God provided for every single one of our needs. And I could go on telling stories all morning of how God's provided for our needs because we've got heaps of them, but I won't. But I do know that it's because God came in over 30 years ago and wrecked my plans of becoming the wife of a rich signalman that it caused me to turn to him in prayer. And in turn, I can help encourage other people to pray and teach people about prayer and even be with you here this morning speaking on prayer that was never part of my plan but it was part of God's big plan that I didn't know at the time you know if you're anything like me you may have wondered how this God that supposedly loves you so much can come in and sometimes wreck your plans so badly. But I hope this morning that it's shown you that God hasn't stopped loving you when things go wrong. It's just that often he sees the bigger picture that we can't at the time. God is always wanting to love you, to care for you, to comfort you, to strengthen you and to provide for you. He hasn't deserted you. And if you let him, he will draw closer to you through these really tough times. And please don't get me wrong, I'm certainly not saying that every time something bad happens in your life, it's God causing it. No, that's not true. Because the truth of the matter is, We live in a fallen world where sometimes bad things, really bad things, just happen to really good people. Sometimes it's life that wrecks our plans. Sometimes it's a global pandemic that wrecks our plans. And sometimes it is God coming in and wrecking our plans. No matter the cause of your plans being wrecked, You always have a choice to make on how you respond. Ruth had a choice to make. Mary had a choice to make. I had a choice to make. So will you. Will you blame God and get angry at him and turn from him? Or will you put your trust in him? Will you praise him and will you pray to him? Believing that he sees the bigger picture even when we can't. Because when God wrecks our plans, he gives us a great big new plan. One that's part of his bigger plan. Are you willing to let go of your plans and take hold of God's? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that no matter what happens in our lives, you are always with us and you will always give us the strength to get through whatever it is. I thank you that you never promised to um, give us, never give us more than what we can bear. That's not in your word. The words are, you've promised never to allow us to be tempted more than what we can bear. And you'll always provide a way out of that temptation. But Lord, so many times we forget about that. I pray, Lord, that as we go through hard times, we will look to you, that we will trust in you, we will praise you, we will pray to you. And we will draw closer to you so that we can get our strength from you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in his word, stay in his love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.